of Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. From the hinterlands concealed by fog, broadcasting live from 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle and streaming worldwide at nightdrift.com. Thank you for listening. This is an interview series about the unknown and our relationship to it. It's presented by the audio documentary Euphemet, a podcast available wherever you listen to them. It's here that we commune and wander through the big wonder with guests who are thinkers, explorers, experiencers of the phenomena that is on the edge of it all. This is Night Drift, and I'm Jim Perry. Tonight, our guest Les Velez will share stories and discuss Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, as well as describe its mission to reach out and provide help and support to those who have encountered extraordinary paranormal experiences. We'll jump into that conversation here in a few seconds. That's tonight. And like many, you can join the conversation through email. Even after the fact, you can reach through time. Email me at jim at euphemet.com and use hashtag nightdrift on Twitter. You can also now send me a voice message. Just go to sayhi.chat slash euphemet or just find a link in the show notes. And right now we're going to go to the phone lines with our guest, Les Velez. Les, obviously the mainstream media has grabbed a hold of the UAP story. But what we'll talk about tonight is often not covered by those outlets, uh, at least not in any uh, great detail, and not by any fault of the journalists such as Ralph Blumenthal and others who are eager to actually tell the full story of this phenomenon, as it's one that can't really be fully told without including aliens and abduction, can it? Uh, absolutely correct. And I think what, what's happening here is a... Uh, uh, Maybe you want to call it the drip method of uh, trying to uh, bring out such facts uh, to the public. Uh, you know, the first step, of course, was to talk about the UAPs, that, that this is real, this is happening. Uh, it, it's a possibly a threat, which I think is probably the tact that would get the most reaction from the federal government. Mm. Uh, that uh, Lou Elizondo decided to uh, come out with an attack. Um, so, you know, th that's the first step. And I think the second step, of course, is to start talking about the fact that uh, <clears throat> we are uh, in a situation where people are in contact with these non-human intelligences. And uh, so that's, that's maybe a big step for people. Um, there's, you know, a conscious dissonance about the fact that uh, we are not alone in the universe. I mean, many people uh, feel that uh, we we are not alone in the universe. But then that's as far as it goes. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, <clears throat> we have been in contact with these intelligences for eons. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is something that... Uh, people will eventually uh, come to realize is, is the truth. 
Well, it's a big step for those that are maybe uninitiated. But listen, it's also a big step for these people that are experiencing it and the people that are studying it and are at the forefront of it, uh, such as like yourself. I mean, we're talking about some unbelievable things that are here with us that are uh, asking to be uh, reckoned with. So uh, I guess, firstly, you know, in your experience and, and I'll, you know, I, we'll cover some of your background as well, but, but right up front here, what are people experiencing out there? What are the characteristics of alien contact that you've found? Well, I think that the uh, <clears throat> the common thing that you hear all the time is the fact that uh, people are are taken uh, from their uh, their abode, wherever that may be. Uh, they're taken up in a either a beam of light or uh, uh, just automatically transferred uh, through their uh, ceiling or through the walls of their house mm-hmm. into a craft. And in that craft, they are subjected to various uh, insults to their body, uh, you know, in some way, shape or form, whether it's uh, taking sperm samples or uh, egg samples or being probed with the various types of instruments, uh, which can be obviously very traumatic, uh, <clears throat> a la the Benny and Barney Hill uh, type of a situation that happened in the 60s. But uh, this has been going on uh, for a lot longer time. And unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe, um, people have uh, uh, considered that maybe demonic in nature uh, and uh, or angelic in nature, uh, depending upon the the type of uh, situation that has gone on, because many people have had very positive experiences. Uh, we recently did a study where 80% of the people uh, did not want these experiences to stop. Wow. And so the, the remaining people, of course, uh, had issues because of their particular uh, type of a situation and uh, wanted it to stop. So we try to help both people, uh, <clears throat> both types of people, excuse me, uh, you know, in, in regards to those types of experiences. What has been one of the most uh, surprising or startling stories that you can remember in, in your time of, of helping abductees and experiences? Yeah, you know, there's been so many stories. And, and uh, I recently wrote a book called The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact, where I have almost 30 stories from people that are in our uh, online, our totally confidential online support group. Uh, where they t- are able to talk to one another, you know, 24-7. Um, and it, to me, this has been probably the biggest help to these people because they understand that they're not alone, that their experiences are not uncommon. And so it's difficult to pick out one particular story, but perhaps probably the story that... Uh, as which I write in the book uh, about a couple uh, that uh, had been picnicking in a state park just north of Santa Cruz, California. And they were on their way out of the park at dusk and they noticed this light over the ocean and uh, got their attention and it got bigger and bigger until it literally was over their head. And it turned out to be a triangular craft 
uh, that was about the size of a small Learjet. And this craft proceeded to go into a canyon behind where they were. And they noticed another light over the ocean. And this craft eventually ended up over their heads and it was another triangular craft, the size of a small Learjet. And the first uh, uh, craft that they noticed, uh, they felt they were looking at it. The second craft, they felt it was looking at them and they became frightened. And they start to proceed out of the park. And during this process, uh, this this trail out of there, and I've been there, um, is, is even during the day is difficult to navigate it. It's highly vegetated. There's a lot of rocks and things. And they felt like they were floating. And they went out of there to their car. And that's the last thing they remember until three hours had passed. And they were ended up in a a restaurant north of where they were, which is normally only about five to 10 minute trip. And they had no recollection of how they got there or what had happened in the interim. So they ended up uh, coming to one of the uh, support groups that Opus had at the time in San Jose, California. And uh, they talked about a rash that they had developed after this incident. And um, they had taken a picture of it and they showed it to the people in the group. And almost without exception, they all uh, said that they had a similar uh, rash at one time. And uh, one of the people in the group says, I think I know what that's from. And so, of course, we so we asked, you know, what do you believe it is? And they said it's a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in when they bring you on board the craft. So that was quite a revelation. And so that, to me, was probably one of the, the seminal uh, type of uh, experiences and uh, events that uh, I had heard, uh, you know, with regard to the abduction phenomena. And there's many more, you know, where people have been impregnated, uh, their fetuses are missing. Uh, it's, it just goes on and on as far as all these types of events. You can talk about hy hybrids that uh, people talk about. You can talk about implants. Uh, these are, all, especially implants, are to me, this is, this is proof uh, of that something is really going on. And, and the late Dr. Roger Lear did a lot of work with that regard. And so his book, The Alien Scalpel, is, uh, is a, a fantastic book and explains you know, so much about uh, these implants, which are incredible. Yeah. Well, it's all incredible. It's a great story. And we'll hear more about that and the creation of Opus right here on Night Drift, right after this quick break.
Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. We're back here on Night Drift with Les Velez. We're talking about the alien abduction phenomenon. Listen, it's startling, it's complex. We don't know what's happening, but I do know that there is an experience here that to those who are having it is real. And... Les is one of those guys who is trying to help. And sometimes it's about just feeling like you're not alone. So getting back here, um, why do you believe this is happening? Why do you believe people are experiencing this? I mean, you mentioned a, a lot about the experiencer themselves having beliefs, you know, potentially for millennia about, you know, is this demonic? Is this angelic? Is this alien? What do you feel? is is happening here yeah i think what we we're not at the top of the food chain and Mm -hmm. and that this this type of uh, event has been happening uh as i said earlier for eons and i i believe that every one of us this is my latest theory every one of us has had an experience whether we consciously remembered or not and let me tell you a little story about wow. that. I one of the one of the meetings that uh, support group meetings that I was involved with, uh, a person in a group said, "I've seen you before." I thought, "Oh, really?" At a UFO conference, uh, you know, uh, at the grocery store, <laughs> and they said, "No, I saw you on board a craft." And I said, "Really?" <laughs> and, and so I kind of blew it off. I I didn't think much of it. But it was like a year and a half, two years later that someone, totally different person, said to me, I've seen you on board a craft. And I said, really? And he says, yeah, you were sitting on a bench naked and you were freaking out. And they told me to go over to you to calm you down. And so at that point, I decided, OK, I'm going to go get regressed. And, wow. and see if I could possibly find out anything. Yeah. Well, in that process, I I did not find out anything in that particular regard. However, I had multiple past lives. And then in a subsequent conversation I had with a person, they said that perhaps what was going on is that I was a had this experience in a in a past life. 
uh, that this person, for whatever reason, was relating. And so that's certainly a possibility because one of the stories in my book, The Unknown Other, the person talks about the aliens talking about reincarnation and that it's a mechanism of the universe. This is how things operate. And so, uh, you know, it's 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 amazing Uh, if people pick up the book, which you can find on Amazon and uh, uh, it gives you a lot of insight into not only how Opus got started, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding is a part, but it also talks about the nuts and bolts type of activity as far as physical aspects and psychological aspects and the the hybridization process the uh, implants that uh, people go through and the various studies that we've uh, uh, initiated uh, on uh, experiencers uh, which we can also talk about at some point wow and the unknown other is such a great title yeah <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on that one thank you yeah so you know Take me back. Let's get let, let's go all the way back to where this started to become a part of your life uh, before MUFON, before Opus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take me back there. What happened? Yeah. When I was 11 years old living in Connecticut, um, I was coming back in the house. Uh, it was a uh, uh, early evening uh, in October of 1958. And I noticed this object hovering over a tree line uh, near my house. And it wasn't making any noise. And it slowly drifted away, again, totally silently, and uh, scared the crap out of me. Mm. (laughs) I ran in the house and I tried to get my father to come out. And by the time I was able to get him out, it had disappeared. And he said, well, it was probably just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And I didn't buy that. I said, no, 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 this this is not possible. And so I went to the library and I, I picked up some books on UFOs. And at the time, George Adamski was the big, uh, you know, famous author at that time. Sure. And uh, so I started to read his books and, you know, really got into it for a while. But then, you know. After being 11 years old, I became an adolescent and uh, uh, other things uh, became more important in my life and (laughs) graduated from high school and went off to college and uh, became a member of the ROTC at the University of Vermont. Uh, got married right at the at the end of graduation and went into the service and artillery. I was an artillery officer and. Eventually got a job with Procter and Gamble, and uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, and uh, shortly thereafter, uh, I went to work for another company. And in 1985, I moved out to Northern California mm. uh, to become a, a member of this uh, manufacturer's rep company, which I which I'm now a, a part owner in, mm. and uh, so. One day I picked up the San Jose Mercury News, which was that's what the name was at that time. Now it's just the Mercury News. And uh, Stanton Freeman was coming to San Jose to talk about uh, UFOs and a government cover up at San Jose City College. So 
that was like somebody threw a switch and it was like, oh my God, I got to go see this guy. I got to go listen to what he's saying. And uh, so I went there expecting to see a handful of people and the auditorium was packed. There must've been like 300 people there, which surprised the hell out of me. He gave one of his inimitable uh, lectures and on the way out, there was a table set up there with MUFON and the Mutual UFO Network, and they have a, a monthly journal. So I signed up for the monthly journal, became a member, and uh, after a while, it wasn't enough. And so I, I decided to take their field investigator uh, training, and I became a field investigator. And that's when things really got interesting, because Almost without exception, not only were these uh, uh, cases involved with sightings, but also with contact with non-human intelligences. Yeah. What did your wife think at this point in time? Well, my wife was really quite uh, supportive in the mm-hmm. sense that she didn't tell me I couldn't do any of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she believed that, you know, we were not alone in this universe, but that mm. was as far as it went with her. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, and there are many people like us that have had spouses that uh, haven't been totally excited about the fact yeah. that we're off doing these kind of things. Right. But uh, she understood that this was important for me. Uh, this was important that, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, investigate this kind of thing. So anyway, uh, I, I guess I was a very lucky guy in that re- regard. And so these people that I I, I, I worked with uh, asked me, did I know of other people having similar experiences? And I said, yes, I do. And so the next thing I know, I'm facilitating a support group in San Jose. Oh, wow. And, and that's where I started to, you know, learn a lot about this phenomena, like the story that I mentioned earlier of this couple with the rash and everything. I mean, it yeah. was just the kind of stories that just blow you away. Had had you led or facilitated groups that were similar to that? And, and were you were you a little bit nervous about being in that scenario? <clears throat> well, I think what what I did is I, I I knew of a person who was a psychotherapist that I brought in uh, to sit with us uh, during the support group meeting. Oh, so wow. I, 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 I felt comfortable in that regard that, you know, I had a professional there uh, from that kind of standpoint that uh, could uh, understand you know what was happening and that uh, you know if we felt that there was a person that probably needed some kind of a, a psychopathological help then it, then we could you know address that but yeah. uh, the bottom line was that no I've, i felt very comfortable uh, for whatever reason um and uh, so uh, you know one day I was written up in a in the in the Monterey Coast Weekly paper about what I was doing for for MUFON. And uh, uh, a woman that was also written up in the article said, I'm in contact with these off earthly entities and I'd like to see what's going on with my brain waves. And so hmm. when I heard that, I said, I, you know, I don't have any way of doing anything like that. But, out of my realm of expertise 
And then she said she was working with an emergency room doctor down in Carmel, California. And <laughs> I knew. Of, and so then I got interested because I had a friend, uh, Dr. Eugene Lipson, <clears throat> who was interested in, in working with other doctors that were uh, aware or interested in the phenomena. <laughs> and so I, I called him up. And I said, why don't we go down and see this this person and, and see what, you know, we can find out. Right. So we did. We did. And um, we as we walked into her house, uh, there was a picture on the wall and it was her standing on the back of a, of a, a, a large craft somewhere. And I said, so what do you, what, this is, you know, in, as it turned out in the Caribbean, uh, I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm helping these treasure hunters uh, with their quest. And I said, well, how are you doing that? And she says, well, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon uh, that had gone down. <laughs> so oh, right, wow. right, right, right away, we, 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 you know, that got our attention. Sure. And, and the, the rest of the afternoon was just totally amazing because what we found out was that uh, after a near death experience, she became very psychic and um, she began to communicate with all these off earthly entities. And uh, so, when you know she told us things about ourselves that there was no possible way she could she could know uh and and so we, we came away from there saying how can we possibly help a person like this and that's when opus right. the organization for paranormal understanding and support uh we we founded it in 1994 with Dr. Lipson and myself uh and and it's a nonprofit 5013c organization recognized by the IRS with the main purpose is to educate and help people support people that are having paranormal experiences yeah. And why was it important for you to do that uh, on your own together with Dr. Lipson instead of having that within the confines of something like MUFON? Well, I think MUFON uh, was basically at that point a nuts and bolts type organization. They were not interested in this phenomena at all. Uh, you know, just tell me the shape of the craft, what color it was, you know, how fast it went, you know, things of that nature. Off you go. Yeah. And 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 so there was no mechanism. And subsequently, um, I uh, once Opus got going, I contacted, uh, I think this was in 2007, uh, James Carrion, who was the international director of the organ MUFON organization, and said, you know, you guys are missing the boat and talking to all these people and you don't have a setup to do it. I said, what, you know, why don't you send me all the calls that you get for help in this nature? And right. that's what happened. And wow. so I started to get all the calls from MUFON. Uh, people looking for assistance with their, you know, contact experiences. And, uh, and that worked very well. Uh, and subsequently, they uh, funded uh, a, uh, uh, a study called the Omega-3 study that okay. I yeah. and two psychologists uh, worked on. 
where we took 71 people uh, that were uh, uh, claimed that they had contact with non-human intelligences and 51 people that were a uh, control group. And we came up with some interesting findings. Now, let me let me just read you these findings. It, yeah, it is please. quite interesting. In general, abductees' experiences profile differently than do their comparison counterparts on a number of general psychological and specific neurological variables. Yet, there are remarkable similarities between the experiential group and the comparison group. It should be noted that in no case did experiences or comparison group participants show any signs of mental illness or personality disorder. So there was no... Yeah, absolutely. That's very important. Fantasy proneness, which uh, some some of our debunkers talk about all the time, does not appear to play a differentiating role between the experiential and the control groups. However, sensitivity to alternative realities and early and recurrent paranormal or psi experiences seem to play a role in the abduction experience. Oh, man. Uh, incredibly fascinating. We have to take a short break here, and when we get back, we'll continue exploring the Omega-3 study, Opus, and much more, right here on Night Drift with Jim Perry. to the Night Drift Archives by Euphemet. All right, without wasting any time, let's get right back to the conversation with Les Velez on the alien abduction phenomenon and his organization, Opus. Les, you were reading from the Omega-3 study. Go ahead and just continue where we left off there. Childhood conflict, psychosocial tension and abuse and trauma more than likely facilitate dissociative coping style in later life. And this dissociative coping style, again, is not a psychopathology. Uh, how much a part dissociation plays in the abduction experience remains an open question. And the abuse trauma dissociate pathway remains a viable descriptive is not explanatory principle. Hmm. Both experience with and interest in the abduction phenomena have impact on how one's body is perceived to function, how one views the world and one's purpose in it, and how one defines or redefines one's faith, tradition, and beliefs. In essence, both experience with and interest in contact seems to change one's sense of self and one's worldview. And it's so, so often (laughs) when these people come back, they talk about the fact that they're told Hey, you need to be better stewards of the planet. You need to be better to one another. You need to love more. <laughs> you know, th- these yeah. are all very positive uh, type of uh, of uh, uh, statements uh, yeah. and 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 uh, 
types of things that the people are being told. Uh, abduction experiences believe that there is a sentient purpose of alien intelligence at play in their lives and at the work in the work in the world. What intelligence goals are seem to be more beneficent than benevolent, more benign than malignant. You know, and we have these conversations about the fact that, well, you know, there's camps that say, well, they're all bad and there's camps that say they're all good. Well, I think we have a combination really going on, just like we have here on the planet. We have good people and we have bad people. And even you can't even say that within a particular group. I mean, there's been statements about reptoids, uh, reptilians that, you know, they're all bad. But I've got many stories where people talk about the fact that they've had wonderful relations with them Mm. so again even within species you have good ones and you have bad ones Hmm. abducted experience to believe that they're okay so i just read that part sorry (laughs) oh that's okay um and uh, the uh, brain generally in the temporal lobes and limbic system more particularly play a mediating role in the anomalous experience such as abduction. There is no, this in no way implies that the abductions are all or only in the abductee's heads. Rather, it points to the likelihood of temporal ability. In other words, a rapid ability to change and, and uh, conceive or, or receive uh, uh, uh heightened uh, uh, reliability um, that claims that the brain creates such uh, is not far-fetched and think that the brain plays an important part in the who and the what of extraordinary experiences and how they are interpreted. In other words, there's something going on different in in the brains of these uh, uh, experiencers as opposed to uh, the the control group. And Hmm. so... um, it, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, you My know, question and, would be: Would would you believe that the data suggests that there was something different in their brain uh, before or during these interactions or experiences, or after as, as a result of those experiences? What, what would you? Yeah, it's it's the old chicken and the egg uh, yeah. scenario, mm-hmm. uh, basically. That uh, <clears throat> we have people that. Uh, uh, you know, have differences in their brain. Uh, uh, I think uh, Gary Nolan from Stanford University talked about the fact that in uh, uh, these people that seem to have this psychic ability uh, are have differences in their the difference uh, the connections between the caudate and the putamen area in the brain. Hmm. There's a lot more connections with people that are psychic. And it seems to be generational. Mm. Uh, so, you know, was this something that was created, you know, eons ago by these entities? Uh, or is it just a natural effect that has occurred over time? Uh, and that's that's still a question. Uh, we don't we don't. And again, we don't have answers to a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of this is just conjecture as, sure. as far as what what the hell is really yeah. going on. Very good for podcasts and books, mind you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I guess when you look at that data and uh, excuse me if you're not finished reading the study because no, no, you're, no, you're free to read more if you'd like. But, you know, when when you look at this data, which is amazing, by the way, and confirms a lot of sort of inclinations I've been gathering from the paranormal as in general, uh, as a wide 
phenomenon. But but would would you believe that data suggests that folks that are experiencers have a unique set of qualifications that allow them to have their doors opened to these things as opportunity or do you believe that it presents an opportunity for a participatory experience, a co-created experience that is happening here? Does that make sense? Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, that I mentioned early on uh, in, in, the, in the study was the fact that most of these people have had some kind of uh, trauma in early childhood. Yeah. Uh, which opens them up to a dissociative characterization. Mm -hmm. And uh, that alone uh, is is interesting to me that uh, uh, this could be a a doorway into these type of uh, situations where they need to have that ability uh, to open up to other things. to get them out of the particular situation that they're in. Um, And, and, and so, uh, and again, a lot of this is just something that uh, we are, you know, still puzzling about. Uh, We don't have definitive answers about it, but I think that, you know, People always ask, well, why is this happening to me? And uh, in some cases, it's generational where uh, families are being followed, generations, mothers, fathers, uh, children, grandchildren are all having uh, experiences like this. And it's almost like they're following an experiment. Uh, mm. These entities the, over over generations, um, you know, it's it's like we, we we'll pull a dolphin out of the water and uh, we'll measure him, we'll uh, tag him, you know, we'll put an <laughs> implant in him, we'll take his blood, uh, and then we throw him back in the water, and then a year later we come back and do the same thing. Uh, and I think that's exactly what's happening. That's why I said earlier, we're not at the top of the food chain. I think <laughs> we're, we're just, you know, the, the next level down, uh, so to speak. Um, and uh, so uh, that's why I really believe that uh, we've all had experiences like this, whether or not we uh, consciously remember it. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, you know, like my particular situation where I still don't have any conscious recollection of any of that going on. But then you have two people tell you, you know, that they saw you right. on board a craft, which makes you want to, you know, pause to think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for all that we don't know about what is happening, we do know that people are experiencing something. Right. Yes. And because of that. That's something that we can, it's an action item, right? It's something that we can move towards. And that's exactly what you're doing, as I understand with Opus. How is it that you help individuals that come to you? Well, one of the things that uh, we we found out very early on that the uh, support group mechanism is, is extremely helpful. Mm. And... Uh, uh, we used to have, you know, direct uh, meetings uh, in San Jose for a long time. Um, but then uh, 
the the board kind of moved away you know I'm in Texas now, and uh, of course, our, our our nonprofit is based out of California, and uh, so uh, we've had to come up with a different way to help people. And so, one of the ways we do that is that we do have a, a support group. It's very active. We have over 300 people, literally from around the world, that are talking to one another 24 hmm. seven, um, and it's totally confidential. Uh, it's it's basically a Google group, uh, and and so if somebody comes to us, we have a contact button on our website, which is opusnetwork.org. Um, they can. Uh, request a couple of things. One is uh, to be uh, put into the support group, uh, which again, has proved to be probably the best thing for these people because number one, they know they're not alone, that there are other people having similar circumstances. That's so important. Absolutely. And they can ask questions about their experiences and then they'll get answers in a lot of cases or opinions uh, because one of the things that you know we we try to maintain is a totally neutral uh, type of atmosphere non-judgmental uh, whereby people can feel comfortable telling their story asking their questions and you know we we respect everybody's opinion and you know it, it it's the kind of thing where we don't have the answers to all of this or even some of it it's it's such an unusual phenomena and uh so we we have to be open to that and then the r- latest thing that we've developed is a, a group called the EST the experiencer support team uh, which is a group of people that have incredible background in working with uh, uh, people that have had experiences like this. It's sort of a triage group uh, where they can talk to them and find find out if they're looking for other help. And we have a referral network of mental health practitioners, hypnotherapists that we can uh, uh, recommend uh, and uh tell these people about uh, so that if they're looking for that kind of assistance, we can also provide that. Oh, that is great. Wow. That is so cool. Uh, again, the book is the unknown other and the existential proposition of alien contact. Wow. The existential proposition <laughs> of alien contact that just sends your brain down a <laughs> rabbit hole just really quickly. I think uh, less it's been, fantastic having you on night drift i'd love to have you back there's so much more that we need to talk about i think but one more time where can people reach you your website again yes thank you very much jim i I appreciate being here with you tonight and uh yes people can uh, get a hold of us at opusnetwork.org and um uh, we have contact buttons on there. We have uh, a button where you could order the book if you'd like. Um, we have a lot of articles and, and documents uh, to help people as well. And a, and a lot of videos of interviews that I've actually done with people uh, like uh, Terry Lovelace and Linda, Linda Moulton Howe and uh, Yvonne Smith and people like that. So uh, 
Uh, matter of fact, Linda, Linda Moulton Howe and Yvonne Smith are, and Terry are, are all on our advisory board. Uh, so uh, they're great. great, great people uh, to have on board. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Les. Appreciate talking with you tonight. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it very much. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.